Hello, hello, hi! Welcome to an absolute gag. The podcast where I like to talk to people about the performances or moments that left them speechless. I'm Tommy Bullington, and hey, thanks for coming back. You know, this is the longest committed relationship I've ever been in. Three full episodes. (laughs) So to celebrate, I bought you all edible arrangements. Turn around. There they are. (laughs) Oh, wait, you don't see them? I ate them all. Sorry. (laughs) This is what happens when I'm left to my own devices. Listen, full transparency, this is like the third or fourth time that I've recorded this intro, because uh, there's been some events in the city that have made me frustrated, and I want to vent through my, my outlet, which is this right now. So, to begin with that, I'm going to do our charity focus of the week, which is brought to us by our guest today. This week's charity focus is the Cabrini Green Legal Aid. The CGLA was established in 1973 to serve legal needs arising from the lack of opportunity, criminalization of poverty, and racial inequity experience. Let me let me just say this again. Racial inequity experienced within the Cabrini Green community. Since then, CGLA has grown beyond a single neighborhood to become a citywide, countywide, and now recognized statewide leader in supporting low-income individuals negatively impacted by the criminal justice system. So basically, this has unfortunately become kind of a timely charity to shout out, because what happens in Cabrini Green happens in Inglewood, which caused the which is the events that happened on Sunday, late Sunday night, early Monday morning here in Chicago is a reaction to exactly this, uh, what, what the problem is, which is the lack of opportunity, criminalization of poverty, and racial inequality experienced within the West Side and South Side neighborhoods of Chicago, and thus making all the idiots outside of our city kind of look at us as like this this mess of a city which here's the deal yes there are some serious issues within the city but primarily it is based solely on our shithead mayor and our awful cpd it's just sorry it's their fault it's the government's fault and the reaction they got they deserved This is the charity focus of the week. I'm really glad that this is the charity focus of the week. You know, you're going to hear this sometime in the future because I bank these episodes and everything, but it's still important and it's still impactful and it's still upsetting. So I really hope that you will join me in donating to the CGLA. If you want to go to their website, it's www.cgla.net. And I would also encourage you to uh, Google some organizations similar to this that might be located out of Inglewood uh, for the for what's happened to them this this month, these past few weeks. Uh, they need it a lot. And so if you have the ability, if you're lucky like me to have a job during this time, maybe toss some dollars their way to help them out. So that is our charity focus of the week. Whew, okay, I just needed to get that off my chest. 
my frustration a little bit. So the other thing about this episode, I want to give you all just a little heads up that something happened within the software that I use to record my remote interviews with people. And so I sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. I'm a little muffled, but you can still understand me. Uh, so I understand if you don't want to listen. <laughs> no, I don't understand. Get back here. I saw you run away from me. Get back here. I understand because I am also an audio snob. And whenever audio just kind of sounds like messy or like muffled or tinny or something, I just kind of zone out and I don't, don't listen. Here's why I'm saying stick with this episode. My guest today is Elizabeth Betsy Morgan, and she is an actor. She's a folk singer and a songwriter, which is huge. She has a band called She's Folks that has this show that's kind of like part storytelling, part concert, and it's a lot of fun. I don't see them disappearing anytime soon, so uh, you should check them out at their website, cheesefolks.com, which I think Betsy plugs later on in the episode, but I highly encourage you. But there's a little break because Betsy's going to go be a lawyer. She's going to law school, which is so exciting, and I'm so proud of her for pursuing something, you know, that she's always wanted to do, and uh, she has the time now, and got into a, an incredible law school, so she's going to be, she's going to be great, and I'm going to miss seeing her as much, but, you know, it's okay. I'll get over it. It's fine. But her audio is incredible, because <laughs> she's a songstress. It's clear, crystal clear, and what she has to say about her topic today is really great, and uh, it's charming, delightful, super funny. I think it's a great interview, even still, with my mwah, 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 mwah. I think it's a great interview, and I'm so excited for you all to listen to it. So, here is my interview with Elizabeth Betsy Morgan about her absolute gag. Aw, hey, hey, it's episode three. Hey, hey, we love episode three. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. Not that you probably went anywhere. Maybe that I don't know. So I'm so excited. I'm so excited for my guest today. <laughs> Y'all, it's family in the house. It's just family tonight. Uh, she is a fabulous artist. She's an actor. She is a folk singer and songwriter. She has a fabulous band called She's Folks. Look them up on Spotify. Download their EP on Apple, iTunes, or Google their website. This They're so great. They're so great. And I was so proud of her. And now she's like going off to be Al Woods and being a lawyer and stuff. Oh, we cannot wait. We're so excited. Please welcome to the podcast, Elizabeth Betsy Morgan. Hi. Hi. <laughs> oh my God. This is just so exciting. Now, through Google, and if you look her up, she's Elizabeth Morgan. Mm -hmm. It's family here, and yeah. so family and friends call her Betsy. They sure do. <laughs> Hi, how are you? You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm worried about this not being a visual medium. <laughs> 
why? Because I I speak with my face. Um, <laughs> Most people speak with their faces. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mean, I'm I'm okay. I guess it's been a hell of a summer. But you know, I, you're as you mentioned, I'm heading off to law school soon, and so that's been consuming my thoughts and my preparations. So yeah. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? It might not work out. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> no, it's got to work out. You know why? Because the world needs lawyers like Betsy Morgan. Like, oh. it, they need you. We need you. Everybody needs you. <laughs> That's very kind. That's very kind. Uh, now, both Betsy and I are um, notorious cat parents. So please be forewarned. There's going to be cats tonight. <laughs> there are. It's, it's going to be like the movie, but better. <laughs> I, I have an opinionated old lady here with us. So um, we'll see if she decides to chime in. <laughs> and Armand is already at my feet just yelling. So, <laughs> Betsy, mm-hmm. what is your absolute gag? Well... I have so many and I was overwhelmed, I'll be honest with you. And in fact, about five minutes ago, I wanted to change it to the episode of Roni where they're in Turks and Caicos and Luann says she made eggs a la Francais. And I was like, <laughs> that's it. Never mind. I'm changing. Because <laughs> that also where she goes, uh, be cool. Don't be yeah. It's a classic Luann episode, and it's been consuming my thoughts lately. That's not my gag, but I needed to mention it to you. Um, (laughs) My gag is Madeline Kahn in everything, but specifically Blazing Saddles. Hello, handsome. Is that a 10-gallon hat, or are you just enjoying the show? Yes. Lily Von Stoop. Lily Von Stoop. I'm so excited that you said this one. And I'm excited that you said Blazing Saddles because mm-hmm. I, like you, obsessed with Madeline Kahn and everything. Mm-hmm. The listeners can't hear, but you can see my Mrs. White uh, pillow <gasps> behind me. Ah! I'm obsessed with her. I think she's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I love how tiny her performance is in Blazing Saddles, but yeah. how much of an impact is made in such a short amount of time. Yeah, Oscar nominated. Oscar nominated. You know, that's a she's like part of a long trend of supporting actresses, especially who are on screen for no more than like 15 minutes, mm-hmm. who like get the award or are nominated. Like, I mean, it's like the Dame Judy Dench thing in Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah. Oh, excellent. Yes. Mm -hmm. And why do you think that is? Like, especially with Best Actresses. You know, so I was thinking about this, but that's not the angle I was thinking about it from. And that's very interesting. (laughs) You're right. You don't get, maybe it's just a symptom of the roles for women not being all that available. Hello. And you call something supporting that is almost, I mean, not a cameo, but it's small. Yeah. The way I was thinking about it was, and I'm not like a nostalgic person. So I, and I'm not, I was born in the eighties. So I can't, I'm going to talk about the seventies, but <laughs> there's something about seventies movie making that is like, it's 
how do I want to say this? It's like they wanted to be a little sexy and have a little fun. And they they didn't there was like there's no controversy about her being nominated for this, whereas like Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny, people right. imploded. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. I because also that performance is incredibly comedic, very comedic. Uh, same with Lily von Stoop. Mm-hmm. And yet we still like to look at the Marissa Tomei nomination and win as it being did like, win. Yeah, that's yeah, true. As being like, well, you know, what we gave her that. And you're like, yes, yes, we yes, did. We did because <laughs> comedy's harder uh-huh. in some ways. Yeah. I mean, I could rant about that but but yeah i i i love that point about these tiny parts for ladies that are impactful yeah they are because i think they know that they have the short amount of time and so they have to come in and give it right away yeah Um, there's no loose change it is all dollar bills Now, I, you know, you brought up Blazing Saddles. I want to say before we dive further into her performance, I want to say that there's a lot about Blazing Saddles that is brilliant, that is excellently written. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of cringy stuff still. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Blazing Saddles, and it was co-written by Richard Pryor, which I think is important to point out. because Very important to point out. He was not a guy that was interested in making people comfortable. No. So I don't think that Blazing Saddles is, as much as it's intended to make you laugh your ass off, I don't think it's intended to make you get comfy. I I agree. I think it's a film that is supposed to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And there's some brilliant things about it. I mean, he makes a point to accentuate the fact that these racists in the film flat out racists oh yes are dumb mm-hmm. <laughs> idiotic ugly like i mean yeah, they're like, and, and they will destroy their own town yeah. in the name of racism they will destroy themselves in the yeah. name of racism it's it's about the absurdity of racism and that they i mean yes they, i mean they sling slurs around like whiskeys really in, yeah. In that movie. And it is deeply uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but it's so, it cuts to the chase so well. And the performances are so, I I mean, there's no straight man in that movie. No, they're all fools. Yeah. yeah. And there's this, there's the smart, there's the smart good guys and and they're hilarious. And then there's the evil guy and then there's the buffoons and there's no, Nobody. Nobody is straight, especially at the end of the movie. Nobody. That's correct. <laughs> Which at the time, I mean, now we think of that as kind of like a campy joke, but like at the time it was, it knocked people out of their chairs. I can't imagine seeing a scene with so many gay men and like pointing out these are yes, gay men. These are gay like, men. Yeah. Like just the fact that they all were there in that moment. I love it. Oh, I- it, it's a subtle, it's it, not only is it about the absurdity of racism, but it, I, it, there are some jabs at masculinity. Brilliant. I actually, you nailed it on the head because I love, we're, I'm just skipping to the end. I can't help it, but I just you love have this to. point. I know. I love this point. I kind of see a little moment where he makes a commentary on Hollywood where 
there's this beautiful musical number happening that's all joyous and stuff, and it gets ransacked by this like masculinity and oh, like all just of the obliterated. like obliterated, like literally set falls down exactly, and that's like there's no in between in that right. that form of Hollywood back then. It was either you know the macho men or it was the musicals. I I found out today that originally Mel Brooks had tried to get John Wayne to play um, Gene Wilder's role, which blew my mind. Also, Johnny Carson for the Waco Kid was awesome. Oh, really? I know. No. (gasps) No, I did not. (laughs) But you can see the intent behind it. It plays even more into what you're saying. Yeah. But so we we skipped ahead. And what I was going to say is that like, I think, I think that there are parts that everybody should see at Blazing Saddles to understand really, really fine-tuned hysterical comedy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would say the defining thing that if if the jokes aren't your deal or the content is you're kind of nervous about it, I say go to YouTube, look up a compilation of just yeah Khan's performance, and you'll get everything you need from it. Even oh, though I yeah. think like gene wilder and uh clavon is it clavon i think clavon little who like star name also should be he should be a huge star and and i i know that originally richard Pryor Pryor was supposed to play that role but he was like uninsurable but and i love richard Pryor, but cleveland what's his last name little yes yeah clavon little his performance is unbelievable it's so good he's because he's also he's an ingenue like he has a heroic ingenue kind of feel to him oh he's beautiful and he's funny and he's charming and i like haven't seen him in anything else no so he was a broadway guy okay that's where they found him and apparently gene wilder like took to him right away just loved him and helped him understand like how to make some of his stuff work for film because Clavon was being like big and stuff, which is great in a Mel Brooks film. And oh yeah, it's, it's a broad film. genre, <laughs> exactly. But I think having somebody like Gene Wilder as his acting opposite of him, yeah, it really helped him understand. Okay, just tweak it here and here, and it's great. You know, it's, it's hard for me not to say that everybody in this movie is my gag because yeah. Gene, I mean, I love Gene Wilder. He's always so yeah. weird. Yeah. And then uh, Harvey Corman, of course, oh, who it's, I, it's, I have this, I mean, I have this soft spot for Harvey Corman because no one would ever know this outside my family, but my dad kind of has a little bit of a Harvey he does. Corman he does. Uh, <laughs> like sensibility about he's yeah. very funny. And I just, I love that distinctly on purpose evil and he does it so well. And so, so I could just, I mean, there's like, I could just as easily pick anybody else's performance in this movie, but I, I wouldn't well. dare. <laughs> well, Patrick and I, Patrick Tierney, of course, and I yes. on the last episode, we talked about um, Joan Cusack. And I'm aware. And I must say that I knew he was going to do that. And I've been upset about it ever since. I wouldn't have picked it. But yeah. I actually, I think I, I kind of developed this list of things that other people are probably going to pick. And I'm going to be jealous. And um, 
I actually can I name a few of them off to you because sure. I just want to I just want to claim credit. Um, Catherine O'Hara is a drunk and waiting for Guffman. It's oh. the finest drunken <laughs> performance of all time. I actually second to the bomb in this movie. The second to the drunk yes. because that's good too. I think they are equally. Yeah, do you mean the frontier man? Yeah, the frontier. Yes, yeah. the the authentic frontier um, gibberish. <laughs> I oh, yeah, it's so good. And also the song that Mary Lou Henner sings in Johnny Dangerously, but I can take or leave the performance. I just like the song. Um, I love that. Aunt Clara on Bewitched. Oh, <laughs> yes. And. Barbara Harris and Family Plot, which I might have to come back on and do that one. Um, Barbara Harris. Oh, um, o Industry from Beaches. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and and when Michael Keaton says, do you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts in Batman. So good. It's just a line. I don't know if you could do a whole podcast, but I just I just wanted to pee a little circle around those. So. I love that list. I cannot <laughs> wait for those episodes. They're going to be so good. Barbara Harris at anything. I want to do that out of just Barbara Harris. Yeah, I thought of her last night because Madeline Kahn reminds me of Barbara Harris. Barbara Harris reminds me a lot of Madeline Kahn. They have similar energies, especially when you think about Madeline or uh, Barbara Harris's performance in The Apple Tree. There yeah. is the song Gorgeous, which yeah. might as well be a Madeline Kahn song as well. Oh, she could have played the, they could have yeah. there. I mean, I do not want to call them interchangeable, but yeah. they, they both are stunningly beautiful. Yeah. And have fantastic voices and they're so funny and they've somehow managed not to be pigeonholed. I mean, RIP on both of their accounts, but in, during their careers, yes. they, they weren't, I mean, maybe they would have argued with that and felt like they were pigeonholed, but I don't know. I always admired both of them because it was like they somehow managed not to get squashed into a certain box. Well, I think Madeline was very lucky that she got, she was one of Mel's muses like right away and that they created such a great working relationship because Mel would give her these roles that could be just the same, but he knew that she would make it all different. Oh, and the choices she makes are so weird. In the best way. <laughs> like and well, and just like the whole that there's that Mel Brooks ensemble, and in that ensemble are uh aside from Madeline Kahn is Cloris Leachman. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And they another actually stunningly beautiful person. It's so funny because she always plays these like trolls, but she, (laughs) one of her first roles is in Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid and she plays a hooker and she's beautiful and she's very funny. Yeah. She's just like chatting. She's in it for five minutes, if that, and she's just chatting with, um, I think Butch. Yeah. With Butch. And she's just putting her stockings back on and like is so naturally funny, but just stunning. I mean, absolutely beautiful. And and then uh, Terry Gar, of course. Of course, who I just think I, t- she's on my I, list too. Sorry, I, whoever, no one's allowed. Well, <laughs> I claim her. Uh, well, I mean, 
I think there could be a episode about Terry Gar in Tootsie because yes. I'm so brilliant in Tootsie and oh, I love her. I I love Terry yes. Gar and I feel like I feel like we should go uh, get in a time machine and grab her and be like, here, come come be with us now. Yeah, I feel like you'd be appreciated more. I, I agree think, with you. You know, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. She's also in a movie, and she has MS now, so I know that she's not performing. But yeah. um, I want to say, like ten years ago, there is this movie that she is in, and it's about oh my god, it's about a a comic book writer. <laughs> Ghost World? Is it Ghost World? Yeah, or American... American... Splendor? Splendor. Yeah. (laughs) She's fantastic in that movie. And I don't... I am elderly now, so I don't remember things quickly. Starring Thora Birch and Paul Giamatti. (laughs) I love that. I also love the... Splendor. I was trying not to say graffiti because I knew it was wrong, but I just my body wanted to say American graffiti. Oh, Starring so- Richard Dreyfus, another of my on my list. Very good. I would do him and Jaws. I really oh. think, I mean it's just defining career yeah, defining. He's kind of like he can kind of get it in that movie. He can. You know who else can get it? Roy well, or Gene Wilder, yeah, Gene Wilder in this film especially. Good luck keeping me on task here. <laughs> it's okay. I, Tierney and I were like everywhere last week. We were just like, but yeah, Gene Wilder had. He's got that quiet confidence. Yeah, and his hair was especially great in this movie, and mm-hmm. his beautiful eyes. Yeah, and he's he's not. I love it when he's like kind of manic, but he's not manic at all in this movie. And and it's, it's like, especially important that he's not like, yeah. And it's very sweet. I mean, there's, there's, he tells a story when he's describing how he became the, the Waco kid. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about that a kid challenged him to a duel and, and that caused him to put his guns down. And of course there's a punchline at the end, but he, takes that moment seriously and it it plays really well there's room for it in that in that movie and yeah. he takes advantage of it it's a wonderful performance he was always so good at like the variety of his performances you yeah. know he knew when to bring it back he knew when to go crazy he like it's the pace like he trusts that there's time to take your time even in a movie that is essentially a looney tunes cartoon truly by its pace i mean there's even i mean there's a looney tunes gag in it you know (laughs) and that's actually i wanted to bring up looney tunes because this comes back to madeline khan i i i realized this a long time ago but this movie is a perfect example of this i because of the the movies that my parents loved which was like mel brooks movies monty python carol burnett show that sort of thing this is what i grew up on i knew the joke before I knew what the actual thing was that it was based on. So like I saw the Looney Tunes version of Mutiny on the Bounty before like the jokes about it before I actually saw it. Or I like, I saw city slickers before I saw Shane Uh and it ruined Shane. (laughs) (laughs) 
just ruined it, you know, because it's like you can't hear Jack Palance say, I shit bigger than you and not think about it when you see him in a serious movie. So I saw before I kind of had a sense of Marlena Dietrich, I had a real sense of Lily von Stupp. So I, Marlena Dietrich is unacceptable to me. I mean, she's an, she's amazing. I like, I love she's out there. So campy, but And this summer, I've watched a lot of Marlena Dietrich. For, well, I'll tell you why. Because I'm getting ready to go to law school. And rather than like reading up on torts, I've been watching movies. And so I've watched uh, Judgment at Nuremberg, of course, and uh-huh. Witness for the Prosecution. And these are both Marlena mm-hmm. Dietrich films. Yep. And I, 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 unfortunately, I know the joke with her. And so it's like, I know that witness for the prosecution is considered one of the finest films ever made. And I love Billy Wilder, but like, unfortunately I saw Madeline Kahn play Lily (laughs) Von Stupp. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is a true Testament where like the, the person who is playing the reference (laughs) to Mm -hmm. the actor is more like, iconic (laughs) right a true testament (laughs) yeah it is because i years ago i decided to watch the whole afi and that's when i realized it is like i'm plugging my way through all these classic movies and i'm like i saw all the parodies yeah of all of these so like not only do i know the ending already but like i can't not laugh i mean even during like serious moments (laughs) I know, same, like, mob movies are always rough for me because I just think of, like, all the parodies of mob Yeah, yeah. I can't take it seriously anymore. No, I yes, either, exactly. I either think of parodies or the Dick Tracy film with Warren Beatty, and I'm like, oh. I can't take it seriously. Well, that's a whole different thing. I don't think, who could, who can? <laughs> who, who's amongst us? Who's amongst us? <laughs> took that serious even as like a nine-year-old i was like "Mm." (laughs) i just was like oh the colors (laughs) i think i i inherently i think i have a little this like built-in bullshit meter and it's been with me even when i was a child so even then i was like madonna we're taking ourselves too seriously I love that. Born with a bullshit meter. Yes. <laughs> no. I also dole it out. So. Oh, it's true. It's, you earned it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I want to touch on the moment that I think everybody remembers most of her performance in Blazing Saddles, which is the song "I'm Tired." I'm tired. Tired of playing the game. She does, first of all, you know that old saying of like, it takes a good singer to pretend to be a bad singer? That is correct. And I'd like to add a gag to my list. (laughs) I know. Eugene Levy in Waiting for Guffman. Eugene Levy is a wonderful singer and he does the best bad singing I've ever heard. <laughs> I love what I love about Madeline in this role and and this number. She she holds a long note and then just goes under. Like yes. she holds it and then she just goes under. From below and above. 
And it's because of choices of vowels that she is singing. I wrote down, yes. I have a note that just says above, but like it's with a U. Like. <laughs> yes. And the thing is that yeah. Marlena Dietrich does that. Like if you go back and listen to the laziest girl in town, which is what yes, I'm yeah. tired is a parody of. I, you can't, yeah. can we no. swear? You can't fucking believe it. Like the film that blazing saddles is kind of parodying as Destry rides yeah. again, mm-hmm. which I have, I don't need to, I don't need to see it. Um, but they put this number in it that and and it's no, like not great that's what's beautiful about this is it is great but it's bad and great oh yes and and also to pull off one of the most challenging things i think in a a musical theater comedy performance is if your number is about being exhausted yeah. it's not it's not easy to inject the right amount of energy and sell the exhaustion at the same time and it, that sounds like so like oh well i'm a surgeon you know that sounds very challenging um but it is hard to make it funny yeah. and not dive into that exhaustion and she does it so well and she does it with her yeah. voice because she does that when she kind of gives up on on the words and it's just like ah. it's like it's flawless every time that part happens and she also does this amazing thing where below her eyes it looks like she's working really hard like she's working but her eyes are yes. just so dead and it's so- absolutely yes they are <laughs> very German. I'm allowed to say that. You know, I made a stroganoff for dinner as like celebration. <laughs> Is that a German dish? No. No, that's that's uh that's Russian, I think. But I love that you tried. <laughs> I I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm an no, idiot. No. But this is It didn't even occur to me to eat on theme. <laughs> I had some nut thins and some hummus. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, anyway, I also, I also was thinking, I was like, <laughs> because I am also a hint of German somewhere, which I love that like white people were like, what kind of bland am I? Like, am I- <laughs> <laughs> what, kind, what, what, what brand of awful is my background? And then when we find out there's a hint of like native or indigenous, we're like, oh, <laughs> Oh, look at that. I was hoping for that, but I found out that there's not to be. <laughs> I know. I think, I think I've been lied to, too, about that. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> there's, no, there's no hope. We're pretty. We're pretty. <laughs> We're pretty. Yeah. It's just a lot of flour and water. <laughs> the wallpaper paste background. Uh, I... Uh, Yes. So anyway, okay. So Lily. Yes. Can I can I tell you my favorite moment of hers? Please, yes. What is your favorite moment? Is the first time we hear her oh, I touched the mic. I touched the mic. Okay. Um the first time we hear her speak, she is leaned back in a chair and she says, Welcome and bienvenue, welcome, come on. In. <laughs> And it's delivered at such a like monotone, like so low. Oh, 
So low. And she also, going back to I'm Tired, she jumps into her famous, like, Madeline Kahn voice, which is, uh, I know, oh, like, you know. Yes, and operatic. Yeah. I mean, she she was a bit of an opera yeah. singer. She didn't really mean to be, but she, <laughs> she was for a while. <laughs> she did. I don't, it's I'm probably the only human in history to stumble into opera singing. But I agree, that first moment is just, if you want to make a character just, like, make an impression right away, that yeah. is exactly how to do it. Yes. I, uh, and then... She at every she does not make a move that is not intentional. Like, there's no superfluous anything. I was just going to talk on that because I love, first of all, the talent of an actor, a film actor, to have a scene completely in the dark and yet be so engaging and so, yes. like, vocally. And, like, the moments you do see her through light, she's just stunning. And you're just, like, you're so engaged. But she yes. does this brilliant thing. Oh, gosh. She changes outfits. And he, like, or no, she gets ready to go change outfits. And he says something, like, real cute and flirty. Oh. And the way she's just, like, Oh, like she has this reaction. She, well, she goes from being this this woman in charge, yes. Marlena Dietrich type, to having a crush on somebody, yeah. and it all falls away. Yeah. And she's just this playful girl, yes. And it's all hilarious. Like it stays hilarious. Oh, the post coital sausage oh my god (laughs) yes and and she has a post-coital scene in young frankenstein (laughs) too that is (laughs) delightful she's the queen of post-coital post-coital she is she just you're so right she makes every choice is so specific so small like she never mm-hmm. goes insane. Like she kind of like no never loses control. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, a lot of the humor in her performances is regaining control. Yes. Yes. Like I think of I mean her wildest choice to me personally in my thought is um History of the World part 1. And yes. when she's Empress Empress Nympho. (laughs) And she's looking at the man and she's like, yes, no, yes. No, 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 yes. No, 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 yes. That's I always think I mean this is crazy. I but when I when I see Empress Nympho, I think of my mom. Because we used to sing that all the time, I and mean, we would, you'd, for if we were choosing anything, yes. it would always fall back into yes, <laughs> no, 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 and it's like she pushes the rhythm yeah. of the song. She like back phrases a joke, and it's great. It's, it's fantastic. Genius. But again, it's like small. Like it's a <laughs> big choice, but she performs it like small and nuanced. And yes. that's what makes it so good. And that's what makes yes. her so good. And I mean, like, I'm sure somebody down the line will do just the movie clue just in general, because the movie clue is a guy. Well, and I thought, like, it's so tempting. It's so to tempting. Do. But that is, like, 
that's got to be like the ensemble, you know, because it's not one yeah. performance in that. It is all of them. Yeah. Well, no, I was going to say because I, I mean, the Mrs. White Flame speech, of course, is one of, I mean, it's, it, 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 it's iconic, but she has a speech in Mixed Nuts. You know what? I've never seen Mixed Nuts. Oh my God. Okay. Mixed Nuts. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to give Mixed Nuts this like ringing endorsement. There's, there's some gendery type issues and it didn't age super well, but there is a scene and it's just her and it's a monologue. Like if I, if I didn't know better, mm-hmm. I would use it as an audition monologue. <laughs> But I do know better, unfortunately. <laughs> but sh- there is this scene where she thinks that she is speaking through a door and on the other side of the... I mean, she is speaking through a door, but she thinks there's a serial killer on the other side that's been like this notorious serial killer that's been haunting the town. And she has... it's it, This is a perfect example of her being nearly about to lose it, but extremely controlled. Yes. And she's trying to talk him out of attacking her. <laughs> and she says, I am attractive. I you could I guess you could say that I am attractive, but I am not young. And I have never been young. I am not your type. I am short. And my hair is short. I am attractive. I suppose I do fit that part of the description. But I am not young. I have never been young. Ah. Oh my God. I have to watch this now. It is. It, even if you just watch that the scene, speech, yeah. but I mean, I, I really enjoy mixed nuts, but again, like it's, it hasn't aged super well, but the, the, the cast is fantastic. And she plays, they all work for a suicide hotline, I think. And she's one of the longest employees at this hotline. And it's just this like strange crew of folk that work for this hotline. But her, I, I love her in that movie. I love her in that movie. And it's it's not a Mel Brooks comedy. It's a comedy. I mean, it's Steve Martin's in it. It's a comedy. Adam Sandler's in it. Um, but it's not slapstick. Well, so that's an interesting point that... Um... I think it's a real testament to her as an actor that she can be in any type of comedy and it all works. Cause like I could even see her and, and sometimes I forget her filmography. So if there is a film like this, please let me know. But like, I could totally see her in like a, a relatable, like, family comedy or like a like a romantic comedy like a kind of like Nora Ephron-esque film oh yeah so alongside her Mel Brooks work there was another director that really loved her and I the, uh he, whoever directed what's up doc oh yes yes oh I cannot remember her. I can't I think of the name yeah. and I've never seen what's up doc but um I I've been on a mission to finally watch it recently because I've heard so many people talk about it constantly I was like yeah. oh I bet I will oh, love yeah. it I don't know Ooh. why I haven't just watched it I'll tell you though I watched Nixon for you <laughs> because <laughs> because which is by the you know hilarious Oliver Stone um Mel Brooks, Oliver she, Stone, interchangeable, yeah. really. 
I mean, listen, I will, I'll, I'll watch, I'll watch a biopic of anybody. So that's, I, I, I watched it for me, but she plays, um, the, the gossip who got a lot of people in trouble during, uh, water. I had no clue. The casting's good. And um, I want, I wanted more of her. She's not in it for very long, but when she is, she kind of plays a little bitchier Mm -hmm. than, she like she always kind of has an edge to her. Like I would never say she plays a warm and fuzzy no, person. She's not warm. Yes, I agree. But but she's not a downright bitch. But in but in Nixon, she is a little bit, and I love it. She's constantly waspy. Like yes, like, well she's she was uh, she's from Boston, so which is like wasp capital of the world. <laughs> she completely is that East Coast kind of like. Hmm. You know, like, it's like, yeah, private school, which I, I think that's why she's so funny is that uh, that it's like she knows the decorum that is expected yes. of her and she plays against it all the time, and but never loses her dignity. No. It's amazing. And she never like she's always beautiful. Like that's Always thing. beautiful. Always I mean, stunning. she makes a freaking cameo in the muppet movie and she looks fantastic and she was on sesame street i remember when i was a kid she'd pop up on sesame street and sing with kermit she always reminded me so later on in in her career she did a a sitcom opposite a man who no longer we talk about yes And, (laughs) and it's it's the other show not about the Hawkstars. <laughs> and she always reminded me, like, I don't know why, but I would always see her on that sitcom and be like, she looks like a a pretty grandma. <laughs> like, yeah. be like, she played kind of the nosy neighbor yes, yes. character. Right. And that was, um, you don't see that character that much. No. I think it's because comedies are so much less domestic. Yes. Now, now it's about getting but there was like the household. Right. I mean, you had, of course, like, um, in Bewitched, uh, Alice oh my God. Ghostly or- yeah. Alice Ghostly. Yeah. Yes. Alice Ghostly. And then, and then, um, did you ever watch the Hogan family? No, but I'm familiar. I know the- Mrs. Poole, which is, uh, Edie McClurg. Yes. <gasps> oh, fuck. Oh. I didn't think. God damn. Edie McClurg in, uh, Ferris Bueller's yeah. Day Out. <laughs> Anything or um, planes, trains, and automobiles. When she's on the when she's on the phone, she says she's going to bring the ambrosia. Oh my god! I can't. I told you, I can't be trusted. I I just, I just want to make lists of things I love. (laughs) See, but this is this is why I love doing this, and this is why I wanted to do this is because I love this like snowball of like you start talking about one thing that you love, and then you're like, which is a lot like. Oh, oh, twelve other things. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I have a thing. <laughs> like, I. Yes, yes. Well, and it's so satisfying when somebody's like, yes, I've seen the Hogan family. You know what I mean? It's like there's there's like a connection there where it's like you start singing the theme song to Perfect Strangers and somebody joins in. That's a moment. And I had I had the audacity to say I'm not nostalgic. <laughs> I try not to be nostalgic. <laughs> You're like a different nostalgic though, because you are like timeless in yourself. So like, Oh my God, you are, thank you. You are, you know, we were talking about, uh, of course, again, God, the listeners are going to be so annoyed by this, but last episode we were talking about Joan Cusack 
And uh, by the way, I've decided I'm going to refer to my listeners as Jones. So hello, Jones. <laughs> because I think I that's love just that. being iconic performance. Mm-hmm. It's just one of my favorites. So It's definitive. Yeah. It's like right away. It's like, yeah. got it. I know. We're, I know what we... We were talking about her. And you mentioned something interesting where we love seeing her freak out. But we don't love seeing Ma- we love seeing Madeline control her freaking out. Like it's really yeah. fascinating, just the slight differences of performances and actors. Where you're like, oh, I love it when she loses her mind. I love it when she tries everything in her power not to lose her mind. Not to. Yes, <laughs> it's like if you're gonna play drunk, don't play drunk. Try to be sober. Yes. <laughs> That is so much funnier than flapping all over the place. But trying not to fall apart is like, what's what we're all trying to do right now, right? (laughs) And it's a hoot. (laughs) It's so much fun. Some of us are failing miserably. And that's okay. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right. But yeah, there's something about that that's like, it's like watching somebody do a high wire act. uh, Yes. Absolutely. It's there's danger. There's yes. Uh real concern. Do you, and what's interesting, okay, so as I mentioned before in the ensemble of Mel Brooks women is Cloris Leachman, and we love to see her freak yes. out yes. sometimes. Yes. But she also does the high wire act well, like in Young Frankenstein, yes. when she is walk when she is offering the beverages <laughs> on the stairwell. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> Yeah, a brandy before bed. Like just, and and that she lets it just fall away. You know who I'm so sad that was not around during that time, or was, but like, she didn't get enough time with Mel, which is, I think Andrea Martin fits so well in those, like, with those women. Yeah. I think that if she was just a few generations earlier, like, in her career, like, yeah. He would have been one of his like absolute muses. Just, oh, like, I agree uh, with like, you. And of course, Gilda, yeah. oh, who yeah. they lost so yeah. early. And but I, I mean, would even say a Jackie Hoffman, like who who's Jackie? She Hoffman? is in um okay, Garden State. Have you seen Garden State? You know, I never oh. saw it because a bunch of boys liked it and I was like, oh, no, She no, no, plays his aunt and she has one incredible moment. Uh, you know, wait, I have to, I'm going to Google her picture. I'm going to Google her picture because her. the name sounds familiar. Yeah. She is, she's a fabulous character actor who shows up. <gasps> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, she's hilarious. Yes. And she, to me, also would yeah. be. Second City, Chicago. Yeah, she would be. So yeah. in that world, so easily, like any Mel Brooks film. Yeah. And I just, I do love, you know, he does such a good job of finding these people who just get it with him. And yeah. even to, I think he falls in love with them a little bit, like in this platonic way. You can just tell that he's like, he just lets them go yeah. and they are so odd. I mean, look at like Marty Feldman yes. was a strange man. And like he made him like be a hunchback because he was like, well, we need to use this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah, like 
in in who else? I mean, even a big comedy director, who else would have cast Marty Feldman? Yeah, nobody. And it's like nobody. But uh, yeah, I I just I, he trusts. He seems to trust his performers. Even Dom DeLuise at the end of this movie as the director. Oh of, my god! <laughs> it's like ding ding. <laughs> what do they say? Uh, what is it? Throw up your hands, stick <laughs> out your tush. Yeah, <laughs> he like falls. <laughs> what is it called? Them like sissy berries or something. Like, oh my god, sissy berries. <laughs> even um, I mean, I will and I watch Robin Hood Men in Tights all the time it, because he also has the ability to cast the person who isn't known to be funny and then let them be funny. Yeah, Carrie Elwes and is in that. Yeah, Carrie Elwes and um, uh, what's his name? Roger. Oh my god, it's like it's like having your aunt on, <laughs> and she's like. Oh, he, he well, was in guy. <laughs> an affair to remember. Um, no, uh, Roger Reese, yes. who is like British, you know, serious actor yeah. man. And then here he is, is like, he's so, he has the Sheriff of Nottingham. He's hilarious he's so in that funny. movie. And he's got that same sort of quality of like, I will not lower my dignity <laughs> i am i am upside down on a horse with shit on my face and i will not admit things have gone awry i have to say you know we give when people talk about mel brooks films and everything they kind of stop after the after you know young frankenstein and space balls it's, it's like they kind of stop talking about him robin Hood men in tights is sincerely very good <laughs> and i love it I, I I love that movie. I, I love gotten it. better because it's such a '90s. Well, you can't. I, every time I go back and watch these movies, I can't fucking believe it. Yeah. Like I've and I have seen I have seen Young Frankenstein like 150 times. You know, I mean, I don't I don't know how many times, but I've seen it a lot. And every time I watch it, I belly laugh, so and I know the joke is coming. <laughs> yes. yes, and he. Uh, it's this. It's this quality that comes from definitely his time of writing on all of those old variety shows and stuff. Yeah. But, and I think what he grew up seeing, like yeah. the, the old like Jewish comedy scene, the Borscht Belt kind of stuff. And somehow he was able to like make it modern. Yeah. And I, the thing about him is he, there's just these little punchlines that come out of nowhere that you're not expecting and you just like lose it. And he also, yes. he also lets them do it. So I think of two defining ones for me. One is in this movie where the preacher, when the sheriff shows up and the preacher's like, obey the word of God. And then it gets like shot. He's like, He's like you're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> that is to me, the same energy as, Hey, Abbott. Oh my god. To me, those are the there's same a, thing, the same energy. Oh, it's so good. There's a moment in Blazing Saddles where Harvey Corman is by himself yes. plotting and he sa- he's like thinking about how he's gonna do it. And then he looks to the camera, like straight to the camera and says, Why am I asking you? <laughs> and it's so like they haven't done that, and they don't do it again. Really, I mean, yeah. the the lead will he'll um he'll take to the camera yeah. sometimes just to comment on the absurdity of, or something. Yeah. But like, it's so 
Harvey Corman's another, apparently this is my humor is that I like characters that are taking themselves too seriously played by actors who are trying to keep their shit together. And apparently that's my favorite thing. This is my favorite Harvey Corman performance next to his performance in the star Wars Christmas special, which is wild. If you've never seen it, have you ever, I've seen, I've never seen him in it. I have seen little bits of it. He does like an alien Julia child. It's (laughs) wild. You would not believe it. It is crazy. And like the fact that it's a thing that exists in this world blows my mind every year that I watch it again. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Oh Yeah. So Harvey also has another one of my favorite like subtle moments, which is when he and I think the actor's name is Slim Pickens. The yeah, yeah. I'm aware of Slim Pickens. <laughs> when they're having just watched the Apple Dumpling game. <laughs> By the way, again, <laughs> roommate of the. I'm a Tim Conway girl. Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't pick him, but I could. <laughs> Roommate of the podcast, Nick Shoda, was playing, <laughs> was doing a trivia, a Disney trivia, and he pointed to a poster and he was like, what movie is this? And I, all I did was like, lightly look, and I just see Don Nuts and I was like, Apple Dumpling Gang. <laughs> like, like, when I was in elementary school, a, I think it's the only film my school owned because <laughs> at the end of every school year. They would gather us in the gym <laughs> and we would watch the Apple Dumpling Gang. What an odd And we, we were all disappointed every time. And I mean, it's a fine film. It's, fine. it's of its time. Yes. There's just, there is this period, and I'm, I'm older than you by just enough time. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, what, if I'm five years older than you, I, I think. think so. There is this crossover period. I was born in 1981. There is this like strange amalgam of the late 70s and early 80s. Like when I think of the 80s, I don't think of hot pink and side parts and Madonna. I I think of like Madras, like soft pastel Madras plaid and reruns of Saint Elsewhere and... Like the way Christine Ebersole looks like in Tootsie, here's so deep cut. She's in it yeah. for like three minutes. No, I know. Yeah. That that to me is like that's, that's the 80s I remember. Yeah. And even though I mean, I don't I think Apple Dumpling Gang was made in like 73 or yeah. something like that. But there's this like because we didn't have streaming and stuff, like we used to rent a VCR. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, at, at the hardware store. store. So at Blockbuster, you could get it, and it was in, like, a little briefcase. Yes, it was in a briefcase, and my dad would rent, like, three movies. Mm -hmm. We'd have it all weekend, and we would watch them over and over and over. And they were – it was always, like, the Disney Robin Hood with the fox and everything. Very attractive fox. (laughs) Very. Uh, And the Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And, like, there was just this, like – I just don't – I mean, yes, I was, I don't know. I just had, I was, I was the the only child for quite some time. And so I watched what my parents wanted to watch. Same. I I had that issue, not issue, but I had that situation as well, where I was the youngest of four. And so whatever they wanted to watch, I had to watch. And they're substantially older than, substantially older than (laughs) (laughs) I want to emphasize. But they like, 
it is whatever movie they wanted to watch. And so I feel like there was a, I kind of skipped over some of my standard kid films and went Same. That's exactly how yeah. I feel. I, it's like, I, I'd never, my cousins would watch Karate Kid and like I've seen Karate Kid, mm. but like it's not as entrenched in my yeah. mind as say Young Frankenstein. Right. Exactly. Same situation. Like I, there are just some movies that are more ingrained in me than like, the other or good lord if you want to have an in with my family just watch the ghost and mr chicken starring don knotts first of all i love that movie it's so good but like that's what we watched yeah yeah we so like i my memory of of my youth is like it's from the six it's the six the other thing was i so my big thing was when i was younger we finally got cable that included Disney Channel. And yeah, same. We did and, too. What a oh, day. So exciting, so thrilling. Your dreams come true. But the thing that they don't tell you about the old Disney Channel was it had wild movie selections on it. Oh my God. It had the Mickey Mouse Club, but it was like not Britney and Justin. No. It was like Annette Funicello. <laughs> and Cubby. And 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 the Zorro, yes. that, that original Zorro yes. show. That was there was some weird Condor, Condor Man. Man. Do you yes. remember Condor Man? <laughs> Sometimes I just like remember these things, and I'm like, did that yeah, happen? I yeah, another good moment from this trivia night was Nick pointed to <laughs> Nick pointed to a, a poster of a giant like machine tower and a drawn Kurt Russell like. In a like tornado, <gasps> together. Like, the oh, the alien one, the man, the what's computer it? who wore tennis shoes is what I was. The computer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, speaking of people, I oh, have crushes Kurt, on wow. Kurt Russell, Still. and I'll oh. tell you something. We don't. We he um is a gun owner, and I don't believe in that. But you know what? Sometimes we have to sacrifice <laughs> things. There's a lot of men who are so stupid that I'm still like my values are shaky. At best. <laughs> uh, okay. So I have one last thing to talk about with okay. Madeline Kahn in this role. And right. That's why we're here. <laughs> and it's something that just happens right at the, like towards the end that I just noticed today, which is that suit, her pantsuit. <laughs> yes. I it's great it is gorgeous and yeah i will say this i i will shout this to the mountaintops and whoever hears me i hope if a drag queen on drag race walks down the runway in that pantsuit i will they will be my favorite drag queen forever couldn't you imagine like a miss cracker like yes <laughs> Oh, what a great idea. I, it's gorgeous. Yes. I think it's velvet. Yes, it looks stunning. The fit is incredible. And she, she strikes this pose. Mm-hmm. She's like, they're like all standing on this ridge. And it's it's an inch, it's like a really actually a bit of an artful yeah. shot for the film. I mean, the film is very straightforward as far as filming goes. But she, they're standing on this ridge. And she's got her hands in her pockets. And it's like gorgeous. Even when she's like plugging her ears from the explosion. Yeah, yeah, or when they're right at the end when they're singing the the like war song, yes. it, it's and she's swaying. She it's so stunning, good. and the color combination is perfect. I 
that was truly a gag for me. As I was like, oh, yes, it's like she looks incredible. The, whoever costumed her in this film, the costumes are actually really they good. Are. They're better than they have yeah. to be. I mean, Clavon's like sheriff outfit. Oh, his sheriff outfit and his little when he comes in to do um, the Bugs Bunny rip, where like he says Candy Grams yes. for um, the dopey guy, and he and he like marches out with his little messenger <laughs> outfit. I mean, they're great. That's that's a moment where his musical theater really worked for him. Oh, it's so, and, and that's just like I mean, like that's what I mean when I say this movie is almost a cartoon. It is. It is. It is truly. I mean, the fact that a character's name is Mongo, like true, yes. <laughs> and it's like. Not somehow. I mean, there's a lot of offensive things yeah. in this movie, purposefully yes. so. But somehow, Mongo is not offensive. Am I well, wrong? Only, Maybe it's just because he's a dopey white. The guy. only thing that he does that like people are like is when he punches a horse. <laughs> yeah, that there. I will say, as a d- deep animal lover, there's. It's hard to watch some of the horse stuff. I just tell myself they didn't get injured, but it's kind of hard the to believe only, that they didn't. The only horse thing that's funny, and I have it written in my notes, is when the fake town starts exploding, and you just see the fake horses. Like flying, yeah, just flying up in the air. Do you know something? My dad told me because one of my favorite things to do is watch a comedy like this, or say Monty Python and the Holy Grail, or something. And movies that at the time that they came out blew everybody's minds. Like they'd never seen anything like it. And those two movies are like, oh, absolutely. They they follow that. But I love to talk to my parents about when they saw it because they would see it in the theater and they just talk about how like like they saw Steve Martin live back when he did like the arrow in the head oh, and everything. Wow. And they were just like, we just we'd never seen anything yeah. like him before. But my my dad always points out that there had never been a fart scene Until like that. Blazing. <laughs> Until blazing fucking saddles. They about that on the IMDb. They say like do they? Like yeah, I mean, for being the film first film to use like a fart noise and like as long yes. as it was, and, and it's still like the Joe because it's it's one of the first movies to really make fun of westerns, yeah. and it's like how of course they made that joke, <laughs> like it's it seems so obvious now, but it's like I would have I bet I would have wet my pants if I had been in that. I theater. also think it's the first movie, at least in my to my knowledge that makes fun of the way that white people dance compared to black people (laughs) (laughs) oh my yeah and one then they're like no no sing a song (laughs) and And they're like they sing this gorgeous like jazzy number Uh, yeah it's oh it's so good it's you know so it's a very interesting thing because do I do I feel like this movie shouldn't exist? No, I think it should. And I'm glad it yeah. does. And I think it's it's important to exist and still be around and people do watch it because it is a comedy that like really really tried to like say something or do something with and it, and it did. Yeah. It. And it did it. And it is great. It did it do it perfectly? No. Are there other no? Of course it, like, not. Did not progress. Like there are, like there are a little too many rape jokes for me. Like I'm kind of like because, agree, agree. Because I mean, that's the thing about the that army that they're trying to put together at the end with all the like worst people in the world. And so, yeah, like, I understand it, but I'm also like, oh, that's a little too much. I can't, I can't, I can't do that. But 
I think that it was really great that it was there. And it's such a 70s movie. Like, it just, like, feels oh, 70s. Such 70s. And I have a real soft, like, I have a soft spot for 70s movies. And a lot of my favorite movies are 70s movies, like Butch yeah. Cassidy and the Sundance Kid or um, The Godfathers. Uh, but there there's something interesting about 70s movies where there's a warmth to them but at the same time they're very edgy like if you look at like easy rider which is a movie i appreciate but do not like um it's like the violence is shocking yeah and i love i love goodfellas and the violence in easy rider is shocking but that's that's kind of what the comedy in blazing saddles is shocking yeah but not not in a way that it's like it's not that like um shock comedian kind of humor where it's like oh i'm going to say something with the purpose of being edgy the purpose of the comedy in blazing saddles is to say racism is absurd and if you think we've moved past it you're absurd that is key that is where people feel like like some of these comedians that will make these jokes that are just like hey that's not cool and then they're like, oh, everybody's so uptight, blah, blah, blah. Right, right, I can think yeah. it's just comedy. No, it's, it's not funny. You're not funny. Right. You're not bringing anything funny to it. Like, you right. aren't doing, you aren't pointing out the absurdity of something. Right, and, you're not moving us further yes. down. Like, I, what's interesting about Richard Pryor, too, is that, like, you just, I mean, he co-wrote it with Mel Brooks. So you can, I mean, there's a, you know, the fart joke was probably Mel Brooks uh, yeah. would be my But guess. I'll, tell you, I'll um, tell you the one that was Richard Pryor is let me whip this out. And the, <laughs> yes, and everyone. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, and the, yeah. the white, like some in some ways it's really ahead of its time yeah. because the one of the most evil people is the white woman. Yeah. She she's the one that writes not not Madeline Kahn, um, but there's a there's a townswoman yeah, the who is un, I believe unnamed yeah. in the yes. film, but um, she is the one that pens the letter to the governor yes. saying how mad they are that they have a black sheriff, yeah. and it's like I never thought about she's it. She's the first Karen, but it's like <laughs> she's a freaking Karen. <laughs> I love that. I was gonna I was I was looking at my notes and I. Okay, so like I said, I grew, I grew up watching Mel Brooks movies and Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. and I have everybody on my mom's side of the family is a woman, and my dad has all sisters. So like I my my whole life was very female, and so the idea that women aren't funny did not come across my desk until I got to college. I didn't know that was a thing people talked about. Yes. I, it's oddly enough, I think it was because of my mother who was obsessed with the Mary Tyler Moore show. And my mom too. I mean, me too. And um, the fact that my grandmother loved, I loved Lucy and it was always on her house. My dad did too. Yeah. I mean, my my dad would like. I mean, he keep he's on a Lucy kick as we speak, yeah. and he will talk about her a lot if you'd like him to. <laughs> so these monsters who are like women aren't funny. Like I'm kind of like, who are these freaks? I I, I thought of Madeline Kahn. Yeah. I thought of Cloris yeah. Leachman. I and it's like, what? Like what are you Have talking you watch about? This performance especially, and not be like she's hysterical. She's so funny and 
frankly, like a lot of my favorite comedy performances are women. And I'm just like, it's such a weird, weird concept that like people like, and there are some men out there who like genuinely believe it. And I'm like, I mean, Christopher Hitchens wrote that essay. Oh my God. And, and, and I had never heard of, and it was just like, and I, that, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that I said that about Madeline Kahn because I just remember being like, what? Because there's also this idea that women can't be beautiful and funny. Right. As if it's like a, you're picking and, and it's like, she's so, she, there, I mean, there, Madeline Kahn there, it's not true. It's just easy. I think, uh, there's a movie (laughs) that I think of a modern day performance that I think of, of like a beautiful woman who gives like a really funny, funny performance is Rose Byrne and Bridesmaids. I think she gives such a fantastic, oh. like really ridiculous performance. But of course she looks like Rose Byrne and it's part of the character right. to be beautiful. Right. Yeah. You, that crew, that crew of actresses, like the bridesmaids yeah. and the wine country and the polar fay, that whole ensemble yeah. with Maya Rudolph and all of them, they seem to be the ones that have inherited the this the the Cloris Leachman yeah. the the Madeline yes. Kahn they, torch. Yeah. It's like they 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 took that and they get to do more with yeah. it. Yeah, I totally agree. Before we wrap up, any last comments that you have about this performance? Oh, wed woes. How romantic. <laughs> we didn't even talk about this ridiculous night. Heard the accent. We didn't even talk about the Because it's, <laughs> she sounds, here it is in a nutshell. She sounds like Marlena Dietrich. Yeah. I mean, and I, I don't mean to say like, I really enjoyed watching Witness for the Prosecution. And I, I recommend that everyone does because- it's like they make a huge deal about at the end of the movie, there's a post that's like, please do not share the twist. Mm -hmm. And Marlena Dietrich is a big part of the twist. That's not a spoiler, but she's a big part of the twist. And I, I caught it. Let's just say I was like, Oh, 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 I know. (laughs) There just was. And again, I knew that, I guess I knew the joke, but that Marlena Dietrich sounds like that. It's it's so like good. it's that's then, the thing is it's barely making fun of it. And then when Clavon uh, reads the note and reads it in her dialect, uh, <laughs> in my womb after the show. <laughs> like, it's, it's so good. <laughs> my womb. Uh, all right, so let's add Madeline Kahn as Lily von Stoop into von Stoop. Our, <laughs> into our book. Uh, gags. Uh, oh, the book of gag. <laughs> it's so good. Let us open our book of gag <laughs> and turn to Lily von Stupp. Con- I love it. Come through. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one, last, one last little bit of business that I want to do is um, I want to talk about my gags of the week. feel free to chime in please (laughs) Um, now this is my question because i i did i listened to uh, to nick's episode it do they have to be (laughs) current no no (laughs) like i I don't i'm not up on what others are doing (laughs) the week that i had uh one of them was 
the s'mores. I just had s'mores and oh. I really loved them. <laughs> so, oh, that, wonderful. Okay. Yeah. So this is just like, it's like a, it's just something positive. One is silly and one is like legitimately. Like, okay. Funny. I can't wait to hear what you're going to say. So, so I was just afraid that you're going to say like Taylor Swift's album and I'd be like, oh no, I just, I couldn't. I'm so sorry. Uh, that will the fact that I know about that, it is shocking. I'll never be a gag of the week. <laughs> Great. Um, the, my gags of the week, my first one, I had I had Jets Pizza last week. <gasps> and Detroit style. <laughs> I love Jets. We had it last week and too. Pizza is a gag. Pizza is like, Wait, had had you never had Oh Jets? no, I it's all I like it's the only pizza place I go to. Are you are you familiar with the ranch dressing? Oh yes. Oh, the legendary ranch dressing. You can buy a bottle. <laughs> so I'm sorry. No, you need fault. to talk about you're it. Fault. I I just share your enthusiasm. I think it's more. I just want to say that pizza is a gag, and that pizza mm-hmm. is always fulfilling, and it's like always it fulfills a craving that you didn't know you had, and then you're like, yeah, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. And Jets in particular is it, it well, I, so I, I did not grow. I grew up uh, out in the country uh, in the Northwestern Ohio area, but the closest like major city other than Toledo is Detroit. And so we had that certain type of pan, yeah. like what we call pan in Chicago is I disagree. <laughs> I with, agree. Yeah. That's deep yeah. dish. Deep dish and pan are two different, two things. different things. And Jets is pants. Yes. Oh, I love it. And then my last, my second gag of the week, it just, I just saw this. So Abby Jacobson from Broad City and like yes. super funny. She is the lead of a, a League of Their Own series that's coming to Amazon. And they released really? photos today. And like, it's like they showcase some of the leads and they're like Darcy Carden from the good place is Anna and I saw the photos and I just, so I love a league of their own. It's one of my favorite movies mm. and I'm oh, really excited. Lumpy and Mr. <laughs> I love it. I'm really excited to see our, uh, I don't know how to say this. I think that there is a better understanding of females now, even like since the making of that movie, which is still very female empowering, but I feel like it even. But it misses it misses some of the narrative. Yes, I, I and I I adore yeah. that movie. I mean, goodness, woman directed a story that like we should have known more yeah. about. And but, but you know, it, I'm excited that our generation and like this generation is going to touch that story because I feel like we could get more out of it, and I feel like yeah. there's some mining that we can do, and so and the fact that it's a series, so we get time with these characters. We get time with these women, like it's very exciting to me. So, yeah, I look at their own TV series. You know, yeah. I was, I, okay. So when I when it came out originally, I was a subscriber to Seventeen magazine, <laughs> and I think this was in Seventeen, but it could have easily been YM or Teen or possibly Sassy. Um, <laughs> but I remember specifically that whichever magazine it was panned that movie yeah yeah because there was like this time like now teen vogue is very woke Mm -hmm. but back in the day 17 in the early 90s went through this like moment of 
I don't know if I would call it wokeness, but like very environmental and, and woman forward. And yes, exactly. And their critique of it, and it always stuck with me because I loved it so much and I couldn't believe that they wouldn't hold, because I was like in what, sixth grade. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 it was all about girl power. And it was, except they said at the end, what we don't see is that they all went back to their kitchens. Yeah. And and I remember being like, is that, I just, I, it stuck with me. I never really like came to a conclusion on it because I was like, do, do we need to see that? I don't know. Yeah. Do, I mean, what we should see is who wasn't allowed to yeah. play. That's an important well, part of the story. Uh, so two of the photos that were released, and it seems that two of the main cast members are black women. And so I'm very yeah. curious to see how they touch on race during that time, because that is really interesting. And that is a layer that was not, I mean, like, I'm trying to remember, it's been a little bit since I watched it, but I don't think it's touched on as much as it, it could have been in. Certainly not as much as it could have been. Yeah. If, if at all, if at yeah. all. So um, I'm just, I just am really excited to see that. And so, yeah. It. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I didn't even know that was happening. Again, I, I have, I have not been tuned in and, and I could act like it's because it's, you know, a tough time right now, but I'm never tuned in. <laughs> You've got more. Just never. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just, yeah, I mean, we could, like, I could, I could sculpt this narrative yeah. to make it seem as though I've just, yeah, I'm preparing to go to law school <laughs> and I am, but, um, you know, I've been I've been working my way through uh, the hollow crown of Shakespeare just because I'm interested. <laughs> that's kind of that's about where I'm at in pop culture. So I love Henry Henry the Fourth Part Two. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's where I'm at. Betsy Morgan, thank you so much for joining me. I so appreciate it. I thank you. I hope you can sculpt. I hope you can spit shine the turd that I handed you. <laughs> I feel like I bounced all no, over and but this is what I love. I love this. This is it's it's the point. I love this freeform. You know, the first episode went such a like serious place that I was kind of surprised. It did. I, I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. I didn't know about that performance. Yeah. Oh, I mean so good. Love love yes. Whitney. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. So she's folks, I know it's like a pause right now, but it will come back. It, you know, I said anytime we want to shine that banjo bat signal out into the sky, we can. But yeah, we're we I've I, I this is my favorite yeah. thing. I created a thing that exists okay. and can can be assembled at any yeah. time. Um, but yes, if, if anyone is interested in seeing, you just go to she'sfolks.com and it's all there at she's folks. And mm -hmm. I'm also at Elizabeth Hope Morgan. It's, it's a private account. And if I know you, I'll say yes. <laughs> I love that. Oh, you're the best. You are, you're a family. I adore, I adore you. you so much. And thank you so much. And uh, thank you all for listening. And Hey, Keep on gagging. <laughs> ah, oh, let's let's end on a high note. Oh. <laughs> Above. <laughs> An Actors Gag is produced and edited by me. 
cover art provided by Grace Greenwood at 1310 Studios. Follow her on Instagram at 1310studios or visit their website at www.1310studios.com. Music provided by Vivera. Find them on Spotify and iTunes. Rate and subscribe to the podcast on all podcatcher apps, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow the pod on Instagram and Twitter at an absolute gag pod. Thanks for listening. Now pump it, queens.